Peter Hill Explains, where I invite you to join the science teaching conversation with me about John Dalton, another reading from the great scientists. Um, So he is someone we know as the fundamental mass of a nucleon called a DA, capital DA. Sort of rather, sort of interesting um, there. But the Dalton as a unit is a small d, but the capital DA for it, or U for the Universal Atomic Mass Unit, the U. I sort of like that. So, uh, so John Dalton, let's read about him. Uh, a mild-mannered chemist, who's sometimes said to be the father of chemistry. Right, and we just go back to, um, to Lavoisier. And Dan Lavoisier is said to be the father of chemistry. That's in the same book. Uh, Established a modern theory of atoms and elements, and so paved the way for a huge range of scientific achievements. A huge range, a sort of really poor English as we come across here. Um, Yeah, so let's read about him. The idea of of atoms was by no means new in the 18th century. In fact, it had been around for well over 2,000 years. For instance, the great Greek uh, thinker Aristotle uh, thought the theory of matter could be chopped up into smaller and smaller pieces. But other Greeks, notably Democritus, <coughs> much earlier, uh, f- uh, f- 460 to 400 BC, argued that matter was really made of tiny particles with empty space in between, just as scientists believe today. Now that, that is, you know, uh, it shows a complete lack of quantum mechanics, understanding of wave functions. Quantum mechanics is just either the atom, it's not, a, or not, it hasn't got a wave function, it's got a surface. It shows how stupid the uh, author of this is, just incredibly. A- and uh, atoms were not in be- indeed believed, they were disbelieved by um, uh, Boltz, or the people against Boltzmann, uh, marked the Vienna positivism school uh, or experimentalist school so there's no experimental evidence for it these particles are the smallest possible pieces of matter uh, which is why democritus called them atoms uh, from the greek uncatable uh, people have struggled to imagine how air or water could be made out of tiny particles and although the idea of atoms was not forgotten aristotle's view was found to be more convincing or they actually believe that uh, water was of different spheres, so water was spherical, so it would roll around each other. <coughs> In addition, Aristotle's view of the world was made from just four main elements, or five, really. Aristotle, ether, uh, earth, water, air, fire, also proved convincing. Even now, scientists believe matter exists in four... F- oh. Oh, that just makes me so vomitish. Although it's a, probably a liquid thing, solid, liquid, gas, and plasma, which in some ways corresponds to Aristotle's four elements. Uh, it's just what a phase matter is. You, you have a phase transition between the states of matter um, uh, the, and phase energy. Then, in the 17th century, scientists began to question Aristotle's view of matter. Irish scientist Robert Boyle suggested there are other kinds of elements, uh, basic, pure elements, that could uh, combine to make compounds. 
Crucially, he suggested that each of these chemical elements has its own unique characteristics, and each should exist as a solid, liquid, or gas. Boyle even suggested that matter might consist of atoms after all. The Aristotelian view of matter was further undermined as experiments began to reveal neither air nor water was uh, invisible elements. Uh, first of all, such scientists as Joseph Priestley, uh, 1733 to 1804, and Antoine Lavoisier show that air is a mixture of gases, including uh, oxygen and nitrogen. I don't think they had any other gas. Argon's the next, next larger percentage. Lavoisier showed water, too, is a compound of hydrogen and oxygen. Lavoisier even made the first of a dozen basic chemical elements, including the newly discovered compound components of air and water. After over 2,000 years, the atomic idea was finally beginning to gain credence. Oh, bollocks. Yet, for all this progress, no one knew just what the element was, and no one had thought to connect them with atoms in any way, which is true. I, th I, th I think that, that's, that is correct. It is assumed, for instance, that if matter, including air, was made of atoms, all atoms must be identical. It was Dalton, Dalton's greatest insight to see that atoms of each of the gases might be different. He then went further to unify the progress uh, of the previous century in the atomic theory of elements which underpins science today. Dalton suggested that all atoms are made, uh, made of an element are identical, but different from every other element. Okay. He also argued that compounds were formed by joining atoms of one element to another. Although the theories of elements, but he had one element of hydrogen to one element of oxygen. Although the theories of elements and compounds have developed since Dalton's time, the essential of ideas is all there. Childhood in the lakes. John Dalton was born on the 5th or 6th of December, 1766, in the English Lake District coastal town of Cockermouth. Uh, to the family of Quaker tradesmen. It's interesting that... Uh, uh, it's interesting that this uh, is... That, that, that both Priestley wanted to be a priest and Quaker and um, Priestley had to eventually go to America and Dalton, uh, the Quakers, came in. So it's interesting that for all the turmoil of being born, having you, you've got to have your mother die to be a scientist, or your mother reject you to be a scientist, then you have a whole series of Quakers, and Quakers versus the excess of the French Revolution is quite an amazing thing. And even um, uh, Faraday was a Quaker. As a boy, he was alert and inquisitive rather than a brilliant scholar. He was bright enough to be appointed as a teacher at his local school at the age of 12, and a Quaker relative, Elu Robson, tutored him in science. Um, but isn't it amazing that um, we are beginning to get uh, these people, Mendeleev, Dalton, they're all teachers. But if they achieve anything, they're now no longer teachers, they're scientists, and teachers can bullshit about them. Uh, at the age of 15, he went across to Kendall on the far side of the Lake District to teach at a boarding school. There, he was introduced to mathematics and natural sciences by the remarkable blind philosopher John Goff, who is described as poet Willworth in his poem, The Excursion. Methinks I see him now, his eyeballs rolled beneath his ample brow. Encouraged by Goff, he is often awe-inspiring Lake District weather. Dalton began to make meteorological uh, 
uh, observations. Apparently, it's got this sort of like fishbowl, and you can sort of see the rain clouds come over. It's hard to imagine what it would be like. It's sort of like it's districts might be just perhaps uh, just uh, from a local lookout. Uh, over the next 15 years, Dutton made weather diary, which he recorded over 200,000 observations. His interest in weather was lifelong and profound, and his insights groundbreaking. Indeed, some people believe he ought to be called father of meteorology, as well as father of chemistry. Some people. I wonder who those people are. Will those people please turn up at such and such address so I can run you over with a bulldozer? Dalton was always wary of trusting other people's ideas and insisted that he would believe only what he observed himself. Quote, Having been in my progress so often misled by taking for granted the results of others, quote, he wrote, I have determined to write as little as possible about what I can attest by my own experience. He was not a particularly accurate observer, nor a brilliant experimental scientist, but his scepticism, plus a remarkable capacity for insightful overview, enabled him to make the most of his work. Over the years, he wrote important papers on the barometer, the thermometer, the hydrometer, rainfall, formation of clouds, evaporation, movement of atmospheric moisture, and much more. Dalton was first to realise that atmospheric moisture turns to rainfall, not as a result of pressure changes, but because of the reduction in the temperature reducing the air's capacity to hold the water vapour. In 1788, while witnessing a spectacular display of the aurora borealis and the northern lights, he came to the remarkably precedent uh, conclusion that auroras were caused by the Earth's magnetism. Well, yeah. Dalton, unaware of George Hadley, had already suggested the same thing. He even came to the conclusion that the trade winds were caused by the combination of regional temperature variation and the Earth's rotation. Colour blindness. Because of his meteorological studies, Dalton also became fascinated by a condition uh, that he and his brother shared, colour blindness. Dalton was the first to study colour blindness scientifically. Well, a condition still known as Daltonism. Colour blindness was the subject of his first paper entitled Extraordinary Facts Relating to Colour Vision, Vision of Colours, uh, that he presented uh, when he was elected to the Manchester Literary and Philosophy Society. 1791. So, election. Dalton asked that when he died, his eyes be examined to discover the reason for his color blindness because he believed the fault could be found in the fluid of his eyes. It was blue. Post mortem showed the fluid was entirely normal, but in 1990s, DNA tests on his eyes, have, uh, preserved by the Royal Institution for 150 years, show they lacked the pigment needed to give the sensitivity to green. The world of particles. Dunn uh, contributed hundreds more papers to the Manchester Society in 1817. He was elected president, a post he held for the rest of his life. When did he die? Oh, fair, 1844, so that's reasonable. Perhaps the most important of these papers were presented in the early 1800s. Well, okay. At the time, Dalton had been given up full-time teaching and was funding the scientific studies through private tutoring of the sons and daughters of Manchester's rising middle class, which also Priestley was doing. Extra time gave him enabled to produce a series of papers in which he developed the atomic theory of matter. He argued that the elements then known, including hydrogen, oxygen, nitrogen, are made up of atoms, uh, that is, solid, massy, hard and parable, movable, uh, movable particles. Now, of course, we, as quantum physicists, say they're not solid, 
they are massy, but they don't have surfaces. And so this is one of the most important things that they will teach you and just say, and there entereth my ignorance, and I hand on for you my the the mantle of my ignorance, so you may stuff up other people's lives as I have stuffed up yours. Go now and call yourself educated. Not because you know the correct things, but because I, who am the arbiter of education, tell you them. So this really upsets me. Uh, it was an insight chemists had been looking for, the understanding of just what elements were, and why they combined as they did. No, well, the implication of the theory accepted surprisingly rapidly and quickly became the focus of most chemical research. The unworldly hero, Dalton's work as a teacher, had already been much loved. Uh, with the establishment of his atomic theory, his scientific reputation became immense, yet he remained a solitary man, never married, rarely socialising, and mostly living a life as a recluse. And that's really what I want to do. I just want to be a solitary man, just in a laboratory out in the Australian desert. His time was dedicated to his pupils and to scientific research. Throughout his life, his needs were simple, his habits were plain, and always dressed in the plain Quaker style. In 1810, his scientific achievements were recognised with the invitation to join the Royal Society. Diffident and short of money, Dalton declined the offer. But then, in 1822, the Society elected him a member and paid for a selection fee for him. The French Academy of Sciences made him the sole permitted foreign member. Dalton lived out the last years quietly. His scientific research began to look rather introverted as he doggedly independently refused to acknowledge the advances made in science. The valuable correction, collection, corrections to his ideas in the years since he announced his atomic theory. Nonetheless, the respect and affection he was held became clear when he died of a stroke in age 78. So they were, and before they were waiting, oh, now he's died of a stroke. Oh, well, died of a stroke, that's really good. Tributes poured into the Manchester Society, and people in Manchester gave him what can only be called a state funeral, attended by 40,000 mourners. There can't have been too much happening there. Dalton's atomic theory is as a box. The earliest papers in which Dalton developed his atomic theory concerned his studies of air pressure and the way it affected how much water could be absorbed. Contrary to the prevailing view of the day, Dalton was convinced that air is a mixture of different gases, not a compound of them like water. In his experiments, he observed that pure oxygen will not absorb as much water as pure nitrogen and jumped to the remarkable intuitive conclusion that this was because the oxygen atoms were bigger and heavier the nitrogen atoms. Oh dear. What? Why does not water emit its bulk to every kind of gas alike? Dutton wrote. The question I have duly considered, and though I am not able to satisfy myself completely, I am nearly persuaded the circumstance depends on the weight and numbers of the ultimate particles of the several gases. Uh, well, that's just... If you've got two batches of gases, it's the same. Oxygen um, is more polarisation. Uh, in his paper, read to the Manchester Society on the 2nd of October, at 12, uh, 1803, Dalton went further in saying, quote, an inquiry into the relative weight and ultimate particles of the body is the subject, as far as I know, entirely new. I have lately been uh, pros prosecuting this inquiry with remarkable success. He went on to describe how he had arrived at different weights of the basic units, 
a gentleman of gas. In other words, the weight of air, atoms, or atomic weight. He went on to argue that atoms of each element are combined to make compounds in very simple ratios, and so the weight of each atom could be worked out from the weight of the element involved in the compound, an idea which later came to be known as the law of multiple proportions. Hydrogen, Dalton realised, was the lightest of the gas as he assigned atomic weight of 1. Because the weight of oxygen was combined with water, he assigned an atomic weight of 7. Um, there was a basic flaw in Dalton's method because he did not realise that atoms of an element, uh, same element, can combine. He always assumed that compounds of atoms, a molecule, only had one atom of each element, which is a really important thing. Um, it was another half century before scientists realised that only uh, uh, that only the um, realised that only the Italian scientist Avogadro's Avogadro's idea of using molecular proportions would allow them to calculate the atomic weight correctly. Nevertheless, the basic idea of Dalton's atomic theory, that each element has its own unique sized atom, has proved astoundingly true. This sort of shows how stupid these people are. Have they not done any quantum physics? Some scientists have played down Dalton's role, suggesting that his scientific research was less solid and that his atomic theory was built on the work of others. However, there is no doubt that it was Dalton who brought it all together and into the mainstream of science. As far as science books like this go, it's sort of like a self-propelling fallacy, a perpetuating fallacy. And there is no doubting the importance of atomic theory in science. Sort of like, um, I'm a policeman, this measures speed, you're a pea platter, you're, you're nicked, this type of thing. His biographer, Frank Greenway, says, with Dalton's theory, quote, we have made new materials, utilised sources of energy, defeated one disease to another, and come within sight of the mechanism of life. So, it's luckily that um, someone down the track will quote, and there is a coffee table book which says about Dalton, and there is, a th and eventually you, by summarising things you can reduce it further and further and further. Thanks a lot for listening. another story comes to a close. It's been a pleasure sharing this moment in time with you. May you discover truly amazing things, understand them and tell others. Thanks for listening.